0: Hello, everybody. It's December 5th. To my friends in the Netherlands, tonight is the Sinterklaas celebration, otherwise known as St. Nicholas Day in Holland, celebrated with the exchanging of gifts. Well, it is a gift to have you with us this day for another outing with the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, no matter what country you may be in today. We hope that you will be celebrating the gifts offered to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gift of forgiveness of sins, the gift of his deathless life through the Spirit, the gift of fellowship with one another, the gift of participation in God's purposes with God's family, and the gift of assurance of salvation and a home in heaven. We are celebrating the good news of God's unmerited favor shown to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and today we're starting a new book, the 28th book of the Old Testament, the book of Hosea, and we will continue to read the first epistle of John in the New Testament. Hosea has been called the Jeremiah of the Northern Kingdom, in that like Jeremiah, he was called to weep and suffer. He was a contemporary of Amos, Isaiah, and Micah, and he prophesied during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah, and Jeroboam II of Israel. Some have called the book of Hosea the second greatest story in the Bible, the first being the story of God's redeeming love, extending mercy to the sinner in the Christ event. This is the story of Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of Israel, and his relentless love for his wayward bride. Through this book, we learn once again that sin is not just about breaking God's law, it breaks God's heart. So let's start reading Hosea chapter 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, Take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel." And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name, Not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Chapter 2 Israel's Unfaithfulness Punished Say to your brothers, You are my people, and to your sisters, You have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband, that she put away her whoring from her face, and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked, and make her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and make her like a parched land, and kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy, because they are children of whoredom, for their mother has played the whore, she who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers, who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her, so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but shall not find them. She shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now and she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Therefore I will take back my grain in its time, and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand." and I will put an end to all her mirth, her feasts, her new moons, her sabbaths, and all her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste her vines and her fig-trees, of which she said, These are my wages which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them. And I will punish her for the feast-days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them, and adorned herself with ring and jewellery, And went after her lovers, and forgot me, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and bring her into the wilderness, and speak tenderly to her, and there I will give her her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope, and there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me. My husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal, for I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more, and I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground, and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in the land." and I will have mercy on no mercy, and I will say to not my people, you are my people, and he shall say, you are my God. Chapter 3 Hosea Redeems His Wife And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver, and a homer, and a lethek of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore, or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to His goodness in the latter days. This concludes our reading from the Old Testament from the book of Hosea. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect upon what we have just read. Hosea had a unique mission. It was not enough for him to preach the story. He was to live it. He was to be a living sermon to Israel. God is relentless in His love for His covenant partner. His love for Israel is a specimen example of His love for those of every tribe and tongue He was given to redeem. The people of Israel failed to recognize their history of infidelity. They could not imagine that one day they would be conquered by the Assyrians and scattered. But this is the sad truth. Israel had a spiritual history of going after other lovers. For years she had experienced God's mercy now she would experience God's wrath but even in wrath God was remembering mercy God remains faithful and steadfast in his love because that is who he is Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 7 and 8 read The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples for you were the fewest of all peoples but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand, and he redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The book of Hosea reminds us that as believers we are called to embody the message that we preach. We are to love as he loves. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. We love because he first loved us. First John chapter 4, verse 19 Yahweh first loved Israel. He first loved us, and while we were yet dead in our sins, Christ died for us. It is this kind of love that Hosea was called to demonstrate to his wayward wife. Notice how the scroll begins. These are messages from the Lord to Hosea, who in turn is to convey a message to the nation. Hosea is prophesying during the same period as Isaiah. He is addressing the same kings of Judah. Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, but also one of the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel, Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Chapter 1 is written looking back upon Hosea's experience. Hosea was told to marry Gomer. It is likely that she is a chaste virgin at the time, but after they are wed, she proves to be unfaithful. Hosea's personal life will be a living sermon on the love of God for a covenant partner who proves to be unfaithful. This is a reminder that when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, we are to remain true to the message we are called to preach. We are to convey the truth of God's love. Hosea was called to experience the depth of pain one suffers when there is betrayal in what is meant to be the most intimate and precious of relationships that we can experience on earth. Hosea's pain demonstrates that sin is more than the breaking of God's law, it is the breaking of God's heart. The one he loved and wed in faith proves to be unfaithful. Hosea is called to act out the story of God being betrayed by Israel. God chose Israel. He called her, redeemed her, brought her out of her bondage in Egypt, and took her as his bride to the Promised Land. He entered into covenant with her and proved to be faithful to her. Yet she turned away to idols. This began long before Hosea was born. We see this as early in Israel's history as when Solomon took to himself foreign wives and began to worship their false gods. In Hosea's lifetime, he witnessed the non-stop rule of the evil kings of Israel and the murder, immorality, and idolatry of their households. Gomer is guilty of adultery. Like Yahweh, Hosea maintains his love for his unfaithful bride. She bears Hosea's son, whom the Lord names Jezreel, meaning, May the Almighty sow, or May the Almighty scatter. Bible interpreters debate whether Gomer was a prostitute before Hosea married her. I personally don't think so. The book of Hosea contrasts the fidelity of Yahweh with his unfaithful bride, Israel. She betrays his love by following after the Baals. At the time of Jeroboam II in Israel, the land is enjoying prosperity, and the people are attributing their success to Baal. They believe that this pagan fertility god has given them the grain, the new wine, and the oil, in Hosea chapter 2, verse 5, verse 8, and verses 12-13. through 13. The naming of Hosea's firstborn child, Jezreel, is a prophecy of the coming judgment upon the throne of Israel. Nothing could have looked less likely in the days of Jeroboam II than the overthrow of Israel. But a time was coming when God could withhold judgment no longer. The strength of Israel would be broken on the classic battlefield of Jezreel, as Draelon, that we often identify as Megiddo. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Hosea chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 Through the prophet Elijah, God had told Jehu to put to death the household of the wicked king Ahab, whose wife Jezebel had instigated the murder of Nabal, the Jezreelite. And turned the hearts of Israel to the worship of Baal, the Phoenician sun god and center of the fertility cult. Jehu also destroyed the prophets of Baal, in second Kings chapter ten verses eighteen through twenty eight. The Lord commended him for this in second Kings chapter ten verse thirty, but Jehu himself did not turn from the idolatry that was set in place by Jeroboam I, the worship of golden calves at Bethel and Dan. Some interpreters say that when the Lord says in Hosea chapter 1 verse 4, I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel, that he was referring to the fact that Jehu went beyond God's orders in that he also shed the blood of King Ahaziah of Judah. Others believe that the house of Jehu refers to the nation of Israel as a whole and that the bloodshed of Jezreel refers to the sins of the nation displayed in the selfish, murderous, covetous, immoral, idolatrous hearts of Ahab and Jezebel, who killed Naboth and his sons in order to obtain the ground of Jezreel and further the worship of Baal. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 26, Gomer bears two more children, but Hosea is not their father. They are children of their mother's whoredom. The Lord tells him to name the daughter Lo-Ruhamah, meaning not beloved or unpitied Romans chapter 9 verse 25 and 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 10 This is a prophecy that points out that the special favor of protection God had previously given them against their enemies was now going to be removed The Assyrians would indeed defeat Israel at Jezreel but Judah would be spared The Assyrians would trample Samaria and when they came hammering at the gates of Jerusalem they were overthrown not by Hezekiah's army, but by the supernatural intervention of God's merciful hand. The next child is named Loami, meaning, not my people. The Lord was prophesying that because Israel was denying that he was the father of their blessings, he would make a statement that he was no longer responsible for providing paternal protection. Verse 10 keeps the big picture in mind. Although God is taking this disciplinary stance against Israel, He has their best interests at heart and plans to eventually cleanse, forgive, and restore them. He is talking about the same people whom He once named, not pitied, and not my people. In Hosea chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, You are not my people, It will be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together, and they will appoint for themselves one leader, and they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. In chapter 1, people might have asked Hosea, What do you see in Gomer? Why don't you divorce her? Likewise, angels looking in on our stories might ask of the Lord, What does he see in them? Why doesn't he make an end of the human race and be done with them? But his love does not let us go. In Chapter 2, we realize that although the children have been given these unfortunate names, Hosea does not treat them that way. He calls them Ruhama, pitied, loved, and Ami, ah, my people. This is how he as a parent would want them to address each other. Once they are grown children, Hosea will command them to speak to their mother from whom he is estranged. He wants them to rebuke her, in hopes that she will repent, in Hosea chapter two, verse two. However, the state of Israel is so bad that now Gomer is running after her lovers who now elude her. Hosea hopes that she will come to her senses, like the prodigal son, when he realizes that eating pig's food is not the life he was dreaming of, in Luke chapter fifteen, verses fourteen through seventeen. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. Hosea chapter 2, verse 7b. The Lord, out of love, promises to discipline her, in Hosea chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, in order to restore her to Himself, in Hosea 2, verse 14. He promises to make the valley of Akor, a place of troubling judgment, a door of hope, a place for realizing God's mercy. For the discipline of the Lord is not for destruction, but for instruction. The picture of a restored Israel is similar to the kingdom of our Lord in the millennium in Hosea chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. In chapter 3, Hosea is given instructions as how to redeem his wayward wife. He is to love her, look beyond her faults and his own hurt, and pay the price to buy her back in Hosea chapter 3, verse 2. What a picture of the love of our heavenly bridegroom who paid the price for our redemption! by shedding his blood at Calvary in Hosea chapter 3 verse 2 then one day when Israel looks upon him and realizes that he is the one who purchased her with his nail pierced hands in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 God will fulfill his promise I will betroth you to me forever yes I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice in loving kindness and in compassion and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness then you will know the Lord. Hosea chapter 2 verses 19 and 20. Next we move on to our reading from the New Testament. The first epistle of the Apostle John. 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 through 21. Overcoming the world. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that He is born concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son This concludes today's reading from the New Testament, and this concludes the first epistle of John. Once again, we encounter the crystal clarity of the Apostle John's writings. He speaks in no uncertain terms. First, he will make a positive statement, and then he will clarify it by distinguishing it from the negative. For example, he writes, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He expresses truth in clear, absolute terms. This is what a Christian is, and this is what a Christian is not. This is what a Christian has, and this is what a non-Christian has not. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. A person who is genuinely born of God will love God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A person who is born of God will love the Church. A person who is genuinely born of God will want to keep the commandments and not find them burdensome. In chapter 5, verse 3, they have new desires and a new direction. They have a new pattern of behavior, although they don't have perfection of behavior. A person who is genuinely born of God will realize that they no longer belong to the world system, for they have been delivered out of it and have overcome it, not by their own works, but by faith in the gospel. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. A person who is genuinely born of God believes the truth about Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. He was fully God and fully man. God has given the testimony of Christ's divinity in His infallible Word. He is God's perfect, beloved Son, His deity symbolized by the water of life. He gives testimony to the perfection of His atoning death as our substitute, symbolized by the blood. God also has given us a witness to these truths through the Spirit. The Spirit also bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, in Romans 8, verse 16. John writes that the believer might have assurance that they are recipients of a deathless life in Christ and that they have an audience with God in Christ. This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14-15 and 15. A person who is genuinely born of God will have a new relationship to sin. He will hate it and want to be free from it and not continue in it. God pledges to help and protect the believer from the work of the evil one. The last sentence in this epistle is one that is relevant to all believers throughout time. The heart is an idol-making factory. Don't let anything keep you from vibrant fellowship with the Lord. Identify the idols in your life anything that may be competing for supremacy in your affections. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. 1 John 5, verse 21. What about the sin that leads to death? Believers were aware that God sometimes chastises His beloved children. John says it really is not our business to play the role of God. He knows how to deal with His children appropriately and safeguard His flock. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 124, verses 1 through 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord, a song of ascents, of David, Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive, When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124 is another song of pilgrimage. A Song of Ascent. As these pilgrims were on their way, traveling up to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, it was good to have their hearts prepared for worship by reflecting on God's work in their own personal lives. If the Lord had not, and you can fill in the blanks as you reflect upon His faithfulness, had been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, what would have happened if the Lord had not met us in our time of need? Blessed be the Lord Who has not given us to be torn by their teeth our soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the trapper the snare is broken and we have escaped our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth and now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour we go to the book of Proverbs chapter 29 and we will read verses 5 through 8 a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet An evil man is ensnared in his transgression, but a righteous man sings and rejoices. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. This is not the first time we have been warned of the danger of insincere compliments and flattery. Those who deceive others will themselves be deceived there is some ambiguity to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5. The man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net to trap or manipulate his neighbor. But it could be also that he is spreading a net in which he himself will be trapped. Verse 8 seems to support this. People of integrity, those who avoid dishonesty, flattery, and deceptive manipulation, can sing a song of freedom with joy. Verse 7 encourages us to be sensitive to the needs and rights of others and take compassionate action. Those who are not functioning rightly don't have the needs or rights of others on their radar due to their self-absorption. Verse 8 reminds us to check our attitudes. Those who are angry and scornful do damage. Those who seek to curb anger display wisdom. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer in the light of what we have learned from His Word. Lord, we are so grateful for your steadfast love and tender mercy. We have been unfaithful and have sinned against you, yet you have been relentless in your covenant commitment and have provided at great cost our ransom from our captivity to sin. We thank you for your Son, who purchased our freedom by giving himself as our substitute, taking our penalty for sin on the cross. We thank you for his resurrection life that enables us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts. You have given us a new life and a new direction to pursue. Help us this day to live a holy life by giving ourselves wholly to the Holy Spirit's ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on this December 5th journey through the Bible, and I pray, God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we continue in the book of Hosea and start a new epistle, John's second epistle, in the New Testament. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can always write us an email at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the love of God be with us all. Shalom.